0: Hello, calm parents. Welcome back to another episode of parenting teens with Dr. Cam. I'm your host, Dr. Cam. Do you want to teach your teens how to speak up and advocate for themselves in a responsible way? And this episode is for you. I'm joined by Adrian Waller, the owner of Worldwide Educator, an education consulting company focused on empowering educators to own their instructional genius while activating students. For the past 15 years, Adrian has been working with educators across the US and the world, including guitar. China and she's currently an assistant principal in the Cayman Islands. Today, Adrian is going to share with us how to help our teens build self-advocacy skills. Welcome, Adrian. I'm so happy to have you here. Hello, hello, hi everyone. Thank you for having me here. I'm so happy. Yes. So, Adrian, tell us a little bit first on how you got into helping working just in education in general, and then really working with parents and, and the kids too. So
1: initially, um, I came into education as like a, I'm not sure type of thing, because I knew I wanted to do it. And then I was convinced that like, there was something bigger and better for me out there. And then when I graduated college, I was like, eh. and so I went into AmeriCorps and worked with DC public schools, uh, around parental involvement how to like help parents be active in their child's learning tools that they need also supporting teachers with a program called literacy through photography which kind of flip literacy on its head to make it like really hands-on and things like that and from there I was like okay I'm not ready anymore I answer the call is here I hear it and from then on, was always very involved in the parent-teacher organization, either as a liaison, a secretary. I joined a PTO before I was even a teacher when I was working with those DC public schools. And then I started thinking back on like some work that I had even done in undergrad. And I was like, I was researching youth violence in the family. So like family and the parents and all of that work has always been really central to me. And then even as I've moved out of the classroom, I'm constantly helping teachers like, how do you get your parents involved? How do you give them a voice? How do you help them and support them? Um, and so, which gets into a lot of also this topic that we'll be talking about today. So,
0: yeah. And I, I, I think,
1: the short version.
0: <laughs> no, that's great. and And I think, you know, the self-advocacy part and just the advocating for our kids, I've heard so many parents struggling, especially this past two years now, it seems like, with trying to help their kids succeed at home and seeing a lot of the, you know, mental health issues coming into play. So why is being able to advocate for your child and to teach them to self advocate? Why is that so important?
1: Well, advocacy is like a lifelong skill, right? You should always be able to own, this is what I need. This is why I need it. And tell, and then ask for that and position yourself to get your needs met, right? Needs being met is really what advocacy is all about. And needs being met are very basic human principles. Like you have to have your needs met. And when your needs aren't met, you see how that plays into your life in many ways, depending on what needs not being met whether that's the simple need of food not being met, you have the need, then you see the result is hunger. Um, The need of better education, you see that that has impacts on like lifelong success and all of these different things. So being able to really sit and voice and do that in a way that feels safe is vitally important, not just for like today, but like for tomorrow as well.
0: Yeah. What tips can you give to parents First, let's start with parents, because I've talked to many parents that are really trying to advocate for their students through the schools and don't feel like their needs are being met or that they're being heard. So what tips can you give parents to really advocate successfully? I
1: think it starts with relationship building. And I think that that it sounds very fluffy and it sounds very like, oh, that's nice. But if you don't have relationship with people, who's going to help help you get anywhere? Like, and that's just a basic thing. And teachers, the way the system has been positioned, instead of saying that teachers and parents are a unit together, often there has become this narrative of one against the other, which is really not true, right? That's not what it should be. Teachers and parents want the same thing. They want to see students succeed, thrive, and do well, right? And when teachers can remember that, hey, you've been gifted a child for you know these months that you have them, and this parent is the longest educator, that serves to be very powerful. But then parents remembering you have gifted your child. And so in giving that gift and sharing that gift with the teacher, how do you partner with them instead of trying to work against? And so finding ways to like have actual conversations with the teacher about, hey, what are you noticing about my child before you volunteer? And teachers on the other end, tell me about your child before you share what you're noticing. And so like if both people come from it like, I can learn something from the person on the other end. And then in that learning, now we can talk about, well, what's missing? What's not happening? How do we get there? And that's really where the advocacy starts is um, in that conversation of like, where are we? We start to talk about where do we go and how do we get there? And what are the steps that I need to take as a parent? And then what am I asking for you to do as the um, instructional leader in that classroom?
0: Yeah, and I think I, I love that You were talking about how at this point, it almost feels like there's a lot of finger pointing going on. There's a lot of blame game. And I understand why people feel like you need need to step up. I'm doing everything I know to do, which we are, right? So it must be you. But I think the other person feels that way too. And then we end up, Working against each other than working with each other. So if you feel like you're in that position already, I mean, relationship building is essential. But if you feel like you've already kind of hurt that relationship and you're in in kind of that conflict position, how do you turn it around?
1: You own that. You start there owning that you know you made a mistake, right? Mm-hmm. Owning and saying, hey. One, I, I want this to work and I want it to work because remember, teachers are there because they love and care about the students and like this narrative that, you know, teachers don't care. I just think there's a minority. Right. And I would say maybe there's like two percent, but most teachers are in it because we're not getting paid a whole lot. So we're in it for the love, love of it. Right. Right. So if You go into it as a parent say, hey, I think maybe we got off on the wrong foot. I want to apologize. But I want you to also know I'm just coming from a place of love for my child. And I want to know. How do we get there? What is it that you're doing already with my child? And what's worked, what hasn't worked? Here's what I'm doing at home. Here's what's worked. Here's what hasn't worked. What can we do together? And I think just owning that, yeah, maybe I did approach this wrong. And I think and people are scared to do that. It's hard to say that, yeah, I made a mistake. But I feel like my best learning has always happened through my mistakes. And my best partnerships have always happened through conflict and when you can like kind of lean into those things instead of like cowering away from them and saying even say i know this conversation may be hard it's hard for me too like kind of like putting all of those like concerns just flat on the table at the beginning and then always coming back to the idea of partner how do we partner together how do we work together what do we do and not what do you do what do i do but like what do we as a collective do and when your kids are teens bring them to the table too. Yeah. They should be at that table as well and that's the part that's really important to me is that great parents go speak up, be vocal, but your teens are going to be out in the complete world alone very soon. You know, even if they go to college, wherever whatever they're doing, soon they're going to have to have those skills and even if they're just sitting at the table watching you do that, right? Mm-hmm. Watching you have that conversation. They start to see that somebody will fight for them.
0: And yeah. That somebody can also be them yeah, so get giving them and teaching them the ability to advocate for themselves is like such a gift. Um, how do we do that when we're worried that I guess one of the first things I see with a lot of kids is we want them to self advocate and they're not confident enough to go talk to the teacher they they feel like. That it's too scary. So, how do you start building up those skills and giving them the tools they need to speak
1: up? It starts with you having conversations with them, right? You, as the parent who has created that safe environment for. 13, 14, 15, 16 years, you start to have the conversation, whether that's just actually hearing them and listening to them talk about it in a way where you're actually listening, not in parent problem solving mode, not in rescue rangers way, but literally I'm here only to listen, right? And making the space and like biting your tongue deep <laughs> to just hear what they're saying and to then navigate that through asking follow-up questions. Well, what do you think you sh- um, we should do? how might you solve this? What problems do you think that, how might this be difficult for the teacher? Why do you think the teacher, being able to have them start to take perspective of Mm -hmm. the person who may be creating the conflict, to then also then think about the solutions that will make most sense, that kind of balance their needs and the needs of others who may be, you know, interconnected to what's going on. And then also, it. The first step may not be in-person conversation. Maybe they start with writing. Maybe they record a video and they send it. Maybe there's all these other ways in 2021 that we can think about sharing our voice with someone. Whether that's handwritten notes, um, maybe it's starting with not writing about the problem, but telling the teacher thank you for something that they have mm-hmm. done, so that that safety is built, and you know that that teacher is already kind of seeing you from like this positive light of being somebody who's again in partnership and then maybe dropping it in maybe it's just asking one question and it's not a big conversation so like kind of bringing that down to something that resonates with your child because one child may say look I want to record it and this is what I'm going to do one might want to just do an audio recording like a little voice memo that they're able to send and put together some might want to edit and throw in visuals and all <laughs> right. of that. let them let, let them be great where they want to be great or let it be small and let that just ignite and say look you see that little one that went well what else could we yeah. do okay yeah. you did you did yes. this little part how do we build how do we build how do we bring this to be something that's really now actually having conversations about our wants and needs Uh,
0: That's beautiful. I love having them get really creative and how they do it too. And what feels really comfortable, I think is so cool. Um, Now, when they're communicating what they need, how do we as parents and as parents guiding our kids, how do we help them communicate in a way that's heard and not taken as putting the other person on the defense or kind of throwing that blame? I think that's a really difficult thing to do. Well, I think um, that's why
1: when I was talking about like thinking about why the person might have made their decision, it creates empathy. It makes you empathize with what's going on, understanding that the teacher or the leader, or whoever it is, has multiple things that they're navigating and negotiating at, at, at one time. And then using that in when you talk to them, hey, I acknowledging what you've already empathized with. I know that this may be difficult for this reason, this reason, and this reason, but here's why it's still important to me. And here are some ideas about how we can meet that as well as meet this at the same time. And so being able to help them craft arguments, essentially that's what this is, it's just yeah. this is argumentative writing, this argumentative real life, is how do we craft it to hear the perspective of somebody else, share your perspective, show how they can work together and build on each other and then using that to say this is where we go now and this is where we go together remember that together that we that us is really important to have that through in
0: in all of the conversation yeah and we can do this at home like letting our kids self advocate to us right so i think this is a really big piece of this is when we're shutting them down a lot cuz we're like Mm-mm. What I say, that goes. Not arguing here, but when we give them that opportunity, that's when they're learning to self advocate, right? Yeah, and they also have to experience what I
1: call like no's. Like they also mm-hmm. have to like. As a parent, I'm not telling you that when you let them advocate, everything they advocate for is going to be a yes, because that's also <laughs> not, that's not preparing them either, because. I advocate as a a leader about things I want to happen, and they don't always happen. Mm -hmm. And so like, you also have to learn how to help them negotiate what happens, because I think that's the other part. What happens if you get a no? And so before they go to advocate for self, ask that question. What are you going to how are you going to feel? What what are you going to do if the answer is no? And then Having already felt that and kind of worked through those feelings, it also makes it a lot easier because the worst that my mom would always say, what's the worst that they could tell you? No. Hmm. If you, you miss every shot you don't shoot. I don't know whose quote that is, but every shot you don't shoot, you don't take, you miss, right? You're yeah. not getting those points. But if you know you might shoot, sometimes you're going to make it. Sometimes you're going to miss it. But what's going to happen? Like, what, it, how bad is your life? How bad is the situation if the answer remains no, right?
0: Yeah, that that is amazing. And I think giving them then, if they know that there's a no, possible no, and they're okay with that, I think that takes some of that anxiety away. Because if they go there thinking, well, I've got to get a yes. And then I'm terrified I'm going to fail. I'm not going to do it. But if you're going and you're like, you know what? It could be a no. It could be. But at least we're going to try.
1: But then, also it could be a big old fat yes too. Right? Yeah. So I don't want to overemphasize the no because yeah. it, that, that motivation to do it also starts to damper. And you want that light to still be flickering and shining and saying like, but there's a chance there's, there's a yes, because we've crafted an argument. We've taken into account all of these different things. We're le- leaning into others' perspectives. So it very well could be a yes, but we're okay if it's a no. Yeah.
0: And then going back and instead of saying, oh, it's a no, you must have done something wrong. It's like, okay, so it was a no. Let's look at what we asked and let's see if there's like, what can we go back and relook at so that you're learning from it rather than being like, oh, I shut down. I failed. I'm not going to do that again. Right. Right. So how do we keep keep them self-advocating if they've been getting no's? Is to
1: also start to look at, like you said, what were what were the reasons for the no's? And are there smaller acts that we could be doing that could get us some yeses? So maybe what we're doing is we're shooting too big, right? And Not that I ever think you can shoot too big, but maybe we need to shoot big, but have little micro acts. Mm -hmm. And so that's another way where you can say, this is the big thing, but if you can't do this, could you possibly do this? And seeing if these little nudges are new ways to kind of actually get some yeses in there. Another way is, to advocate ahead of time to also you as a parent kind of feel where somebody might be standing on the issue. So, you know, you're also setting them up for success. So it's kind of a Mm -hmm. sneaky little way you can go about it, but reaching out to the teacher and saying, Hey, my child's going to come to you about this one, this becomes information gathering. So that when you're asking them the perspective, you already know some of what those things are and you can kind of toss that in there. Well, did you think about this? Mm -hmm. Well, What else could we ask for? Like in thinking about multiple asks and like, okay, maybe there's this, but I'm also asking here, here, and here to address maybe smaller pieces of it that you already have vetted with the teacher. Well, yeah, I could probably do that. And don't tell the teacher, don't do it yet. Just know that this this is coming. Don't do it. Right, right, right. <laughs> <laughs> Letting your, your child come with that proposition and then the teacher being able to say, yes, yeah, so like moving forward in the next act, doing some of that relationship building,
0: mm-hmm. question
1: asking and information gathering to bring into the conversations you have with your child as they prepare to advocate
0: for themselves. Yeah, and what a critical skill for them to have. Because when they're able to do this, it's like, everywhere in life, you have opportunities to self-advocate, right? And to speak up for yourself. And I think a lot of people are really scared to do that. Yeah. We so being able to is amazing. So what are just a few more takeaways for parents that are really trying to focus on encouraging ad, self-advocacy? that they have to be advocating for
1: themselves as well. And that, you know, like you are the best model. And so thinking about how you can start being a better advocate for yourself in your work, in your household, in, you know, with your friends, like even small things of like, your friend stood you up. Are you able to tell them how that, you know, made you feel? No, that's advocacy, right? You know, and so thinking about, how do you live this work that you're asking your kid to take on? Like, how are you doing it in the smallest, in the micro of ways that then become examples for them to see that, you know, are you able to tell your partner you disagree, you know, and what does that look like? And can you do that in front of your child? Like, mm-hmm. it, and in a way that's very respectful, right? Because I think people think it has to be this. No, you're not going to, do it. it doesn't have to be all of <laughs> Right. It can be very subtle things like, hmm. Is there something else we could do instead? You know, like that's still saying, I don't want to do what you're talking about, but it's doing it in a way that's nurturing. So I would say starting with self and being with yourself, being able to advocate for your needs and your wants, like you mentioned, finding ways to allow them to advocate and make decisions for themselves within the house, like Mm -hmm. within reason, again, giving them opportunities to hear no's, giving them opportunities to hear yeses even at home on a daily basis would be really, really paramount. And then the last and most important part is even before they get to advocacy is having that conversation, having conversations with your child to understand wants, needs, desires. I know you're talking to your kids already, but having those conversations in ways that push them into thinking about what they're not getting what they're not receiving, what they're missing, what they would like, where they want to go and facilitating that um discussion with them in a way that's going to really help move them forward.
0: Yeah, that's that's fantastic and it just becomes a way of life. Um and I think it's interesting cuz you're saying, you know, you need to learn how to self-advocate too and I'm like, you mean passive aggression is not <laughs> It's like the easy, the way to go, right? And I think we're passing that on to a lot of our kids. I see a lot of parents being passive aggressive with their kids too, right? So I think it's really being aware of, are you communicating what you need, rather than getting angry that they're not guessing. And I think that's... And the last thing I'll add, sorry, because you made me think, is do you know what you need? And
1: I really think that that's why a lot of passive, because you don't really know what the need is. So, like, when you start to feel those feelings, because we feel our emotions, right? Like, literally, you feel them, whether it's the hot blood running, your, you start getting tinglings in your head. But when you start to feel those emotions, start to ask yourself, why? What's really at the root of the problem so that you can then address that and not just the feelings you're having, not just the anger, the frustration, but what created, like, what was the antecedent to that? And start really thinking about that. And those are the conversations that you really have to have with yourself. Yeah,
0: yeah. Some deep reflection going on. So Adrian, how do people find you? Well, I am the Worldwide Educator. So you
1: can find me mainly on Instagram. That's my platform of like most active um, at Worldwide Educator. One word, no dots or anything like that. Um, I'm on LinkedIn. I'm on Facebook. um, But mainly look up Worldwide Educator. You can go to my website, www.worldwideeducator and check me out. You can email me if you have any questions, info at worldwideeducator.org. And I'm here for you all. And let's work together to kind of improve the
0: state of education and the future for our kids. That's wonderful. That's wonderful. Any parting words of encouragement or advice for, or just words of encouragement for parents with teens? What my dad would always say to me that I did not understand is,
1: um, have a great day. And if you don't, it's your own fault. And I didn't realize how much he was teaching me advocacy at that moment, that I have to make each of my days great and amazing. And so do you.
0: Wow, that is that is really good information. I love that. Thank you, Adrian. I am so grateful you could join us today. Thank you for having me.
1: Thank you for this opportunity. And I hope it was helpful to somebody out there working with their teens
0: to help them be advocates and be
1: better advocates for their teens.
0: I know it was helpful for me, so I'm sure it was helpful for others. Thank you, parents, for taking time out of your busy day to spend with us. If you want to learn more about how to help your teens thrive, you can grab my top 10 secrets for raising teens at AskDrCam.com slash parenting tips. Finally, if you enjoyed this episode and all the helpful strategies that Adrian shared with us, please take a quick moment to rate and review. This helps other parents like you find the show. I encourage you to share it with a friend as well. Until next time, have a peaceful, positive, calm day. And that's a wrap. Thanks for joining me today on Parenting Teens with Dr. Cam. Make sure to visit my website, www.askdrcam.com, where you can subscribe to the show in iTunes, Stitcher, or via RSS, so you'll never miss a show again. While you're at it, If you found value in this episode, I'd appreciate a rating on iTunes and, hey, why not share it with a friend too? Be sure to tune in to my next episode. And remember, parenting teens may not be easy, but with my help, it can be a whole lot easier than this.